You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Challenges of change, seasons of change. Isn't it so very true that in life, it's full of changes? There are changes, there are challenges on every corner by which we turn in life. And you may not be experiencing change or even a challenge today, but here's the reality. They're coming. Either they're on the way or they are upon us. And how we handle and how we deal with those will determine a lot about what our future looks like what our family looks like, what our churches look like, what our country looks like. Some changes take place over long periods of time. Some changes take place overnight. And if we are so privileged as to know the change or the challenges that are on the horizon, at least in that moment we can prepare for them. If you know a hurricane's headed your way, then you can at least prepare for that event to unfold, even though you may not know the ultimate consequences that will befall here. But at least you have Mike's weather page that you can go to and look at and determine what kind of storm is on the horizon and you can be prepared. We all face changes and challenges in life. Seasons of life. There's fall. Praise the Lord, it's coming. There's winter. There's spring. There's summer. We're used to changes in seasons. And there are changes that take place in people's lives. Some getting married. Some kids going off to college. Some kids graduating high school and beginning a career. And We face challenges and changes all the time. Some going to have babies soon. The fact is, is we face challenges all the time. Challenges of presidents, economic challenges, cultural challenges, cultural change. Change is some, something that we're simply adapted to. We can't get around that. And sometimes those changes... We see them coming. We know they're coming. But let's face it. In the real, unscripted world for which we all live, sometimes you and I are not privy to the heads up of information that change is on the way. And change takes us by surprise. could be the death of a loved one. 
Nobody intends for their loved ones to pass on in the middle of the night, but it happens every day. You didn't think that when you got in your car this morning to crank it up, it did not work. That's an unexpected change. You didn't expect that you would lose that contract and your life would be changed overnight in which now you have to refabricate your life and how you're going to handle the world by which you live that has become a standard for you. You didn't know that your child was going to be diagnosed with some horrible disease. And now your life has been changed because that changed the trajectory of your life. We, we, we don't have the ability to, to be all-knowing and seeing the changes that, that are coming. But what we can do is ask the question, how can we prepare for whatever may come? Whatever circumstance may decide to show up. Because here's the deal, there are seasons of change. There are challenges that will arise and some that are good and positive and some that are bad. A positive change that we may not know that may occur, but maybe occur that the Falcons will win the Super Bowl. That the Gamecocks will win a national title. Now I know it's not probable, but it's, it's possible. Not really, but with God all things are possible. But he says, don't test the Lord, doesn't he? Listen, the reality is, is there is positive change. When you go outside and it's November and you get that feeling and you feel that first crisp, cool breeze run across your face and you get that excitement and the smell of fall is on the horizon because Boy, we need a break from the heat. Unfortunately, it'll be December before you feel that. But here's the truth. There's negative changes. There's negative experiences that will come as well. It's life. Christ promises that in this world you will have tribulations. You will experience difficulty. He doesn't promise you a, a fabulous, have your best life now with no health issues, prosperity, and all that comes with it. No, he says, in this life you will have troubles. So if you're going through difficulties and troubles, join the crowd we all are. We have one thing in common, troubles and trials are on the horizon. Some because of poor decisions we've made. Right? We've all had the privilege of making bad decisions. Whether it be eating McDonald's every day and now I have diabetes or, you know, I've spent all my money in gambling and now I'm broke and my kids can't eat. Or I've invested in something that was temporary when I should have saved my money because I knew that we were in a cultural decline financially. Listen, a lot of our issues are because of us, but many of them are not. Many of them come without any control of our own. Both 
Regardless, birth challenges. So how do we deal with these challenges? Regardless, here in Ecclesiastes, a book of wisdom literature, we hear from whom I believe is Solomon, who gives to you and to me, his readers, a lesson in wisdom as it relates to the constant changes and challenges of life that you will face. That you will face for the good and for the bad, for the expected and the unexpected, for the prepared and the unprepared changes that will arise at different seasons of life. As you journey through this walk, Solomon, I believe, wants us to face the stark, glaring reality that you may be facing those challenges today. And you still showed up. You're still watching in the back. You're online, wherever it may be. And you're trying to hold it together. Because life is hard. Life is not simple. Life can be difficult. Either in a positive manner or a negative manner, how you deal with that will either, listen, be dishonoring to Christ or honoring to Christ. It will either be a benefit and a blessing or a dishonoring reality in which we fail miserably with how we deal with things that come our way. Solomon wants to encourage us as we face the challenges and changes of life that come our way. That may be upon us. Do you need encouragement today? As you face the ever so changing aspects of your life, because I'm willing to bet you do. Every single one of us need this reminder, this encouragement. Some more than others in this season, but nevertheless, we all need it. As we consider this, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes, and we'll be looking specifically specifically at chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8. The writer says, There is an appointed time for everything. There is a time for every matter under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant. A time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. And there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a, a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart. And a time to sew things together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. 
time to love and a time to hate and a time for war and a time for peace. I want us to consider a few things as we think about all of these different aspects of our lives by which there are different times and seasons for. First, I want you to notice the divine purpose. Secondly, I want you to notice the divine plan. The divine purpose and the divine plan. Consider with me the divine purpose. I must begin this whole sermon with a question or two. And now these questions may step on your toes a little bit, but I promise you, if you won't sign me out, they will be beneficial for you in the long run. Because they are questions that we must ask if we are going to handle life's circumstances in a way that honors God, in a way that we can all be blessed by it. The first question is, have you known the mind of God? Who knows the mind of God? Do you know the mind of God? Where were you when He created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when He breathed into the nostrils of humanity for whom He created the breath of life and man became a living soul? Where were we? Where were you when He established His throne? Job 33.13 asks this question, Why do you contend against Him? For He does not give an answer for all His doings. Later in Job, for which God speaks to him through the whirlwind, if you remember. Turn there, I believe, to Job 38. Because you need to see it with your own eyes. Job 38, verse 2 to 8. We need to be reminded of who God is and who we are not. We need to grasp that God has a divine purpose for our lives. He says in Job 38, starting in verse 2, Who is this who darkens the divine plan by words without knowledge? Love verse 3 says, Tighten, now tighten the belt of your waistline like a man. 
And I shall ask you, and you inform me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements? Since you know. Who stretched the measuring line over it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who enclosed the sea with its doors? Here's the short answer. Not you. Not me. God alone. First Chronicles 29, 11-12 Yours, O Yahweh, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and the earth, Yours is the kingdom, O Yahweh, and You exalt Yourself as head over all. All. All in the Hebrew is all. It means everything. Both riches and honor come from God. You. You rule over all. And in your hands is power and might. And it lays in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. What does is, what is all of these passages tell us about God? I'll tell you what it tells us about God. That He is sovereign. He rules and He reigns. Deuteronomy 10.14 Behold to Yahweh, your God belongs heaven and the highest heaven, the earth and all that is in it. Yet on your fathers did Yahweh set His affection to love them and He chose their seed after them, even you above all peoples. As it is this day, so circumcise, circumcise your hearts you, you, and stiffen your neck no longer for Yahweh, your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the great, the mighty, the, the fearsome God who does not show partiality nor takes bribes. He executes justice for the orphans and for the widows and shows love for the sojourner by giving him food and clothing. Who or what is under God's sovereignty? 1 Samuel 2, 6, 8, Yahweh puts to death and makes alive, brings down to Sheol and rises up. Yahweh, make poor and rich, bring low, and He also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He exalts the needy from ash heaps to make them sit down with nobles and inherit a seat of glory. For the pillars of the earth are Yahweh's. And He sets the world on them. Who is God? He is the God of all gods. He is the Lord of lords. And He is an absolute sovereign control whether you like it or not it was in Romans for which Paul I was reminded who said 
to the one who questioned the very character of God. In Romans 19 or 9.19. And listen to Paul's response. On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? Will the thing molded say to the molder, why did you make me like this? Or does not the potter have authority over the clay to make from the same lump one vesselable, vestible for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? The answer is yes. God is able. It's God. And thus the writer of Ecclesiastes wants us to be reminded before he ever gets into the events that take place in our lives to understand one thing. And that's why he begins with the fact that there is an appointed time for everything. There is a time for everything under heaven. What is he saying? Well, he's saying God has a plan. He has a purpose for everything. It's a divine precision down to the very day, the year, the month, the very moment, down to the very second. God is in control. Now that may not be helpful for your circumstance. But I promise you, you can't deal with your circumstance until you deal with who God is. Because this world will try to distract you from how to deal with every circumstance in life by some other aspect other than God. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care what circumstance it is you're facing, you cannot begin to face, deal, handle that circumstance without a correct view of who God is and who you and I are not. Because you can have a really good pep talk that gets you excited and riled up, but I promise you, if God is not the central, if He is not looked upon from His characters and His attributes in full, it will all be meaningless. It will all be just a show. God has a plan and a purpose for everything in your life. Hebrews 9.27, and as much as it appointed for man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. Listen, if you and I are going to walk through this wicked world, if we are going to survive, if we're going to not just simply live, but flourish by, by living the victorious Christian life by which we all want, then we, we emphatically, we must, we must absolutely understand who God is and who we are. It all begins with what you think of God. Because a high view of God will lead to a high and holy living. And a low view of God will lead to low and godless based living. 
A high view of God will give you the ability to understand how to deal with things in your life, things in the world, whether it be in your church, whether it be in your family, whether it be in your country, whether it be in your community. How you view and what you think of God will determine how you deal with those things. And an improper view of God, a false expectation of God, will lead you to disappointment. It will lead you to distress. And you will face challenges which you are unable to conquer. This passage presumes that we get that first. The writer starts out with the who God is. The fact that He is sovereign and control and, and manages and hosts and maintains time down to the millisecond. And no matter what may come your way, when you understand that God has a divine purpose for your life beyond your ability to understand, because remember, you weren't there when He fabricated the earth. You weren't there when He laid the foundation. You, you weren't there when He created mankind. Why? Because He didn't need you to be there. He's God. He's self-sufficient. When things come our way, we can, we can walk by faith. Trust when we understand who He is and that He's in control. We try to do this with our children, don't we? Even though we lack the ability to really give them the comfort that God can give you because He is capable and can do what we try to do. And so we comfort our children and saying, it, it'll be okay. Daddy will take care of you. Well, to the, to the ability we are able, God is not limited to that ability. They trust that, don't they? When you tell your wife you're going to handle things, and you can only handle them to the ability you, you, God's given you. But there is a level of faith that your spouse has in you. How much more faith can we have in a God who is able to sustain and to uphold everything. He is God. And we are not. Meaning that God is all-knowing. So we have to have a correct understanding of God and man. God is all-knowing. Man is limited in his knowledge. God is the Creator of all things, man is the created. God is immeasurable. He is infinite. Man is finite, simple, limited. We are dependent on Him. He is dependent on no one. So when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, we can really get ourselves in trouble. We can really talk our, ourselves into something that really isn't true about who God is. 
And so here's the deal. Our lives are preordained. That can be hard to swallow. Because I don't know what you're walking through. But I know that God understands and He is in control. And if He has allowed something in your life, it's for a greater purpose. But what we can never do is question the character of God. Now, we can question the character of God when we don't know who God is. But when you know who God is, that He is all-knowing, that He's omnipotent, that He's omnipresent, that, that He's... That he's all of what He claims to be love and grace. All-powerful. We can't question the character of God. If God is love, He's always love. And therefore, whatever you're going through is not, is not a detractor from who He is. Your approach to God should never come from a heart to find fault in God. doesn't mean we can't ask God, what, what is happening? Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this moment, in this circumstance? But your approach should never come with a skeptical outlook of the very nature and character of God. Zechariah was one example from which we see in the Scriptures that responded poorly to God. When God foretold uh, that He would have a child, And he calls God into question. He says in Luke 1.18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. What he's saying is, This ain't possible, God. He's questioning the character, the ability of God. And I love the angel's response. In verse 19, the angels answered him and said to him, I, I wish I could pronounce it the way he did. I am Gabriel, who stands before God. And I was sent to you to bring about this good news. And behold, you shall be silent unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. My friends, that was a predetermined plan, a preordained event decided without His choice. It will take place. And you will keep your mouth shut until it does because you doubted my character and my ability. With God, everything I'm here to remind you is beautiful in its timing. He says here in Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in its timing. There are seasons, my friend. God is in charge of the change, the circumstances. And whatever it is, I want you to know this morning, He will make it beautiful in its timing. That which seems the the worst to you, in God's proper timing, He will take that which is ugly and destructive and make it beautiful. 
Because He is God and God has a purpose for your life and your circumstances. And when things are, are, are tied and you don't have a clue how it's all going to come together, how you are going to handle what you know is coming down the line, we need to be reminded that God is able. There is a time appointed for everything. And there is a time for every matter under heaven. How is God growing you through your circumstances? What is it that God is trying to teach you through that which seems very unnecessary? Through this appointed time in which you're facing, because you have a proper view of God, will help you walk by faith, not by sight. When you have a correct understanding of God, listen, faith comes to the forefront. Faith, trust, belief. Listen, blooms from the flower of the despair. When you have a proper view of God. When you have an understanding of who and what God is able to do. You will be strengthened and you will press on in the face of whatever may come your way. Doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. Doesn't mean you're not going to weep. Doesn't mean you're going to be doubtful of what you've done and what God is doing. But here's the reality. It, he will take care of you as His children for those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, it was the life of Joseph, sold into slavery, lied about his character by Potiphar's wife, cast into prison. And yet in God's timing, He made it all beautiful. <laughs> you just read that story and weep when he embraces his brother and says what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It was like David running from the attacks of Saul, falling into the unrighteous affair of Bathsheba. Sinning against God. And God made it beautiful in His timing. So much so that He could call David a man after His own heart. It was Paul, formerly known as Saul, who ravaged the church, killed Christians. He said, I used to do everything I could to oppose those who trusted Christ. Those who were followers of Jesus. I even hounded them. I went after them. I bothered them. I sought after them in distant cities of foreign lands. But God made it beautiful in His timing. In which He showed up to Paul on the road to Damascus and He fell before Christ. And he says, get up. For I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. As one friend reminded me, 
The greatest comes out of the greatest. The greatest highs come from the greatest lows. The greatest blessings come from the greatest sorrows. And the greatest riches come from the greatest panic. There's no greater example of the wisdom of Solomon when he says that there is an appointed time than that time in which God the Father appointed Jesus Christ to suffer and to be hung on a cross at Calvary. It was on this cross in which we see all the horrendous things unfold in which God in His timing made it beautiful that you might be saved, that I might be born again, that He might now take up residence and live within us. Listen, life will change. Your situations will change without notice. But your challenges will blossom into cheer when you have a proper understanding of who God is. For the good and for the bad. For the big and for the little. When you know God, my friends, when you understand the character of God, He will pull you through with His righteous right hand. And no matter how much sorrow, and no matter how much pain, or no matter how much doubt that is created in your mind today, I want you to know we worship a God who is able. We must understand the divine purpose of God. And that's why it's considered all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. You don't learn how to deal with troubles unless you go through troubles. Second Corinthians 4, 16 and 18 says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. <laughs> but though the outer man is decaying, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day by day. For our momentary light affliction is working out for us in an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. We need to take our eyes off of that which we can see and focus in on who God is. We simply need to develop a level of trust and who God is. But we can't get our minds out of our own to give room for God to do what God does. And therefore, we, we beat our head like a mite beating his head against a piece of granite trying to accomplish what you want and what I want rather than understanding there is one who is higher and stronger and more able than we could ever think or imagine. Huh. 
We need to turn our eyes upon Christ, upon the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We need to understand the divine purpose of God. But lastly, I want you to see the divine plan. The writer gives us over the next seven verses a contrasting and comparison of events that that, 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 that the mighty hand of God have allowed. It was Warren Wiersbe that reminded me that Solomon affirmed that God is at work in our individual lives seeking to accomplish His will. All of these events come from God and they are good in their timing. So God is giving the side of life and He is also on the side of taking life. You will die. If Christ does not return, eventually you will die. That's a reality. God gives and God takes away. God, He, he establishes life and He takes life. There's an appointment that you have on your life. Death is on the horizon. You can bank on it. You can count on it. You might as well go ahead and prepare that circumstance that's going to happen. When? I don't know. I hope that it's years from now. But you never know, do you? In the back of your mind, you can run from God all day long. You can say, I don't want nothing to do with God, but here's the deal. That will fold in your mind over and over. You are mortal, my friend. You will be in a box in front of a pulpit. And the greatest thing that you will have left behind will be a good slideshow and possibly a good worship service if you get lucky and have a pastor who will actually open the Bible and preach the gospel at your death. Because I have not yet to be a funeral where anybody has gone to hell. Right? Death is coming. And so He gives us the idea that God is in control of both life and death. He says a time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. Both give the idea of life and death. Both are real. Death and life. There is living and there's dying. There's planting and there's plucking. Both come at times when most don't expect it. Children are conceived when parents had no idea. Some try birth control and other activities, but God's in control. Some of you are an accident. But not to God. Not to God. Not to God you're not. Because God is in control of life and is in control of death. Life and death are not accidental, my friend. But God's divine plan will unfold. You say, well, what about somebody who takes their life God has allowed you to do that. I have a very dear friend of mine who took his life. Sent me a text message on Facebook. When you get this, I'll be gone. And he was gone. There's no accident. God will give you the desires of your heart many times. But when you have a proper view of God and an understanding of who God is and what He's capable of, my friend, it gives you hope. 
you're not left hopeless. And people take their lives every day because they are hopeless. They have no hope. Who, who, who could have hope in this jacked up world in which we live in without Christ? God's timing is in these matters. So Solomon compares and contrasts between life and death, between planting and uprooting. Sometimes things are planted and they look good, but I'm reminded like at my father's house, he, he, he planted all these great crepe myrtles. Then a problem arose. They started growing like crazy. And now he wants them gone. Because they're getting where they ought not be growing in the house. There's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. There's a time to build and there's a time to break down. God's in control. There's a time to plant and there's a time to harvest. Because there are seasons and some seasons are better than others. But if we are going to walk through this life without being frustrated, without being depressed, without being angry with God, without being upset with your spouse or your children when really it's not anything in their own control. We have to trust God. Even when He has given or when He has taken from you. Even when He has allowed something that in your life or taken something away from you. Without a proper understanding, you will be overcome and you will be overwhelmed. And in the worst case, you will make God out to be just like you. And you will define God based off of your standards. This isn't good. Who are we to define what is good? God defines what is good. And if He is all loving, and if He is all compassionate, and if He is all gracious, then my friend, whatever it is you are dealing with will become beautiful in God's time. We have to trust Him. And it's in those moments that God is revealed. There's a time, he says in verse 3, to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. Solomon indicates that, that, that we don't always go about killing, whether it be people or animals. There are times that we have to kill. There's war. There's just war. But on the whole, we only kill when it's appropriate to do so. And there are times when we have to kill to survive. Notice I didn't say murder. It's in John, 1 John 3, talks about murder. You say, well, I'd kill anybody. Well, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that murderers won't have eternal life abiding in them. Listen, there will come a time in your life when you will be called to bring healing into a situation. There will be a time in which you, you, you must tear down and there we must build up. Sometimes it's good to tear down so something new can arrive. Not always easy to do, but when we understand God's unfolding divine plan, you can certainly come to grips with His perfect timing. Life and death both play a part in God's divine order. The next divine plan that God brings about and 
from Solomon deals with our emotions. I know we don't live in a cultural of emotions. But he says that God fashions even this in His sovereign timing. He says in Ecclesiastes 3.4, there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. Jesus says weep with those who weep. and Hard times bring about hard weeping. Challenges of death bring about sorrow and difficulty. The loss of situations and circumstances bring about weeping and mourning. Aren't we glad His mercies are new every day? Even God is in control in the divine plan for weeping. He has made everything beautiful in its timing. He has also set eternity in the hearts. I said in my office this week, if I can be transparent, there's a danger in being transparent, but it is what it is. There are seasons. And it was a time for weeping. A time of evaluation. A time of mourning. But because we have a proper understanding of God, of who God is, I want you to understand He can meet you where you're at. Even when you've placed yourself there, He will still show up. And the world around you will try to get you to attack and to fix your own problems by the things of this world. And I was satisfied in my heart to say, God, I will trust in You. He will turn your sorrows into laughter. Your mourning into dancing. Because He will make even your tears beautiful in their time. Forty-four years old in my life, and find myself in a situation that I haven't been in since I was in college. But I'm here to tell you, that was Friday. God answered my prayer on Saturday. And not only did He answer my prayer on Saturday, it was above and beyond what I had asked. It's in those moments that you will never forget that God is real. And I think we need those moments of sorrow, of mourning, of suffering, of pain to get back to reality that we need God. We need Him. He is our sustainer. And our provider. Will you be reminded of that moment in which God showed up 
in your life. You filed away in that compartment in which God enables you to see how God is so good, how God has provided, how God has restored, how God has redeemed, and how God has resolved, and how God has rescued you. Not somebody, but God. He may not rescue you from your problem. But you will know that He was with you and that He brought you through that sorrow and that pain. And He never left you alone. And He alone restored you your joy. It's God's divine plan. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. God is able. Your situation is not beyond God's control. You just need to trust Him. Rely on Him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. All, every bit, soul, mind, body, strength, all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge God. That means to know God. That means to the level in which causes you to lift your hands and worship God. And for many, there, this, this message is not really big on them right now, but I promise you it will be. There's a storm on the horizon somewhere. And it might not show up on your radar. You might not be able to see it coming, but it'll show up. And you'll go through the storm. And how you weather it will be dependent on how you view God. There's a time to throw stones, verse 5. A time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. There is a time, friends, when we are to defend against the enemies. Throwing stones was a method of, of punishment and protection during these times. And there are times in which we are to bring about punishment and protection. There are times in which those things must be implemented. These are not fun times. These are not times when we are to rejoice in necessarily, but times we should just act. There are times to stand and defend our family, our church, our country, or nation, but all with a proper perspective. These are times in which are, listen, ordained by God. And if they are ordained by God, then we ought to be very careful what we blame on God's divine plan. And make sure our heart is right and make sure that we are not taking revenge and making sure we are fighting for righteousness based on the living Word of God, not the wicked words of man. Because Romans 12 teaches, revenge is His. I will repay, says the Lord. But when your enemy is hungry, feed him. How many times do we hear that in our day? When your enemy is hungry, feed him. When he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Oh, Pastor, you're just retreating. 
Book, chapter, verse, please. He says, go therefore and make disciples, make converts. And when you make converts, eyes are open, hearts are changed, and when hearts are changed, circumstances change, and when circumstances, when, when circumstances change, the world changes. It's always gospel first. There's nevertheless a time to stand up and defend. And when there's times of peace, don't be lazy in preparing when there is upcoming a time to throw stones. Listen, the gospel is not a conclusion statement in your book of life. It is not a tagline thrown onto a logo. It is to be preeminent in the life of the Christian. And we just need to get this thing out on the table because here's what it is. God has called every single one of us to be gospel proclaimers. Not just the preacher. Not just the elders. Not just the evangelists. He has called every single one of us to take the Word of God and to teach it to all people who will hear who will listen, and to even those who will reject. The gospel is primary. There is a time to embrace, and there is a time to forgive and redeem and restore, and God will open those doors. But there are also times in which we are to turn from embracing and restoring That can be a hard place to be. But listen, when when, when sin is the ruler on the heart of the unrepentant, when your brother or sister is living in sin and he is unrepentant, it may just be the time no longer to embrace. But if they come in repentance, we are to restore always. But watch out for those that care not about the repentance of the heart. That wallow in the mud of sin like a pig that wants to be your companion. It is the one who walks in sin unfazed that has made God to be like them and thus have an improper understanding of who God is and thus have a based view of life. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says this way, but I am writing to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is a sexually immoral person or greedy or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Not unbelievers, but those so-called Christians. The ones who look like a Christian, that talk like a Christian, but have no fruit of the Spirit in their life. There is indeed a time to embrace and a time to push away and to shun. To give them over to God. He begins in verse 6. There's a time to search and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. And When is enough enough? When do we seek for and when do we just count it a loss? That's a hard one. 
We can apply this to all kinds of things in our lives. But know this, God is in control of gains and God is in control of losses. And if God owns it all, controls it all, and wishes to move it all, well, can we say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh, but blessed be the name of the Lord? Are you okay with that? Here we learn of a cosmic thrift shop. (laughs) There's a time to keep and there's a time to let go. That can be hard for some people because they like to hold on to everything. Memories. They don't let any of those go. Material things. They just keep it all. Money. All mine. Big mouth and small pocketbook. Time to let some, something go. I don't know what that is for you. I know for me what my issues are, but I, I can't speak for you. That's the Holy Spirit's job to convince you it's time to let go of some of those things. Because those things are holding you back from what is best. And they're blinding you from what God is doing and you can't even see. Because you're so fixated on what you want to hold to. When God is doing a greater work. Pray and seek the Lord and what, what you should be letting go of. Solomon goes back to kind of the emotional situation. And when he says there is a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, life brings about disappointments, my friend. The tearing of clothes was something that was common in the day when, when it was a grieving process. The signs of distress, we saw it in Nehemiah, we see it in 2 Samuel 13, we see it in Joshua 7, 6, when he says, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of Yahweh until evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. They, they were, they were in a process of mourning. Solomon understands and wants you to understand it's okay to go through a grieving process over your life situation, whatever it may be. But know this, you're not to grieve as those who have no hope. Not if you've been founded in the Gospel. Not if you've been born again and dwelt with the Spirit of God. Our hope is in God and that He is in control. There's a time to talk and there's a time to say nothing. Some have not figured that out yet. Some of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life is swallow my pride and shut my mouth. God will speak on your behalf one day. There's hope in that. And every idle word, including mine, including yours, will go before the Lord. And it will be revealed and He will judge truth and with justice. And thus we learn that there are times in which it's just best to say nothing. He wraps up this section in verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, for a time of war and a time of peace. And and here is my transition. Because I think it's time for war. I think it is a time to love, and a time to hate, 
in a time for war, in a time for peace. It is a time for love. It is a time for hate. It is a time for war. A time of peace. It's a time for Christians to love righteousness. Do you love righteousness? If you don't know what righteousness is, it's in the Bible, read it. It's important you know because everything's happening in this world. You can be a discerner whether this is good or bad. Because the world out there thinks this is good and this is bad when God calls this good and that bad. And woe is to those who call good, evil, and evil good. What is evil is evil. You don't define what is good and I don't define what is good. God's Word defines what is good. And if you are going to understand what is good and what is evil, then you need to read the Word. It's time to fight for righteousness. To preach that which is good and to stand against that which is unrighteous. time to war against sin. What does that look like? Pull out your guns and shoot people? Because that's going to fix their spiritual problem. This is a tough dynamic and where the lines cross. And there's a lot of pressure coming from the world and, and, and from the, the, the pulpit and, and how those mesh. We need to, to war against sin. Why? So we can live in peace. It is the gospel that is the sovereign plan of God. To show the world the true love of God. What true love is. God is love. And therefore, anything that goes against God is not love. I don't care if they say this is loving or not. It's time to go war with the gospel. It's the only true hope for peace. In this world you will have tribulation. He doesn't say you'll have peace. He does not say you will have peace. He says you will have tribulation. What He says is I give you my peace, not as the world gives or promises. I give you peace that is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so that I can say, I don't care what happens to this world. Let it go up in flames because this is not my home. This is not your home. We live for a future kingdom and that's the kingdom of God. And if that's not sufficient enough, then you have your priorities wrong. You have a wrong view of God and a false expectation because the peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind is in only in Christ Jesus. And you will never attain what is only available in heaven on earth. You will never obtain it. You can fight. You can spend your money. You can spend your time. But if we want true change, it will take men and women bold in their faith to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is true love. It's a time to love. You want to love people? Tell them the truth about the gospel. It's a time to hate sin, to turn back to righteousness, the church beginning with us. And it is a time to war. It's a time to war against unrighteousness and ungodliness who suppress the truth so that we can have and experience true, genuine peace that only comes from a personal relationship with Christ. That is only found in the gospel. It's only found in the gospel. 
But when seasons come, challenges arise, that you face a world that is ugly, nasty, and deceptive, and full of liars, and wicked men and women, know this, this is not your home. And therefore you have hope found in Christ. Therefore, whatever challenges come, whatever seasons come, we know who our God is. And for, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve Him. We're going to learn to know Him. We're going to study Him so that we can become more faithful as we walk through these chaotic days. Let's pray. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.